Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America. And welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where today we're going to have a long conversation with a man, an entrepreneur, an athlete, a person who grew up in poverty and violence, who is running for the governor of California for the first time as part of either the recall or the 2022 election, whichever one Gavin Newsom's fate falls to. His name is Major William, and he's got a great personal story. He's a non-traditional candidate. He spends time every day answering voters' questions on his website. He uh, has ideas for getting private partnership involved with government to solve the problem. He's a Second Amendment fan in a, in a state that hasn't been very friendly to Second Amendment. He is talking about regulation busting and common sense. He's talking about balancing the budget. That's something California has a devil of a time doing. Uh, and he's getting a lot of attention in California in the early days of this recall election. Major Williams is here with us. We are going to spend the whole hour with him. No monologue, nothing. We're going to spend the time learning about this candidate, what he's talking about, what's going on in California, what are some solutions. We always hear the criticism of California. We know what they are. I hear them all the time. I'd like to hear some solutions. We heard some from Daryl Issa earlier this week, the congressman from San Diego area. We're going to hear from Major Williams. Let's go to a quick commercial break here from our great sponsors. When we come back, a fun interview with Major Williams. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, somebody who is about to jump into the frying pan of California politics in a big way. He's an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, a college athlete, but most importantly now, he's a Republican candidate for governor in the recall race uh, triggered by none other than Gavin Newsom. So joining us today is Major Williams. Major, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. I am fascinated by your bio. A Texan who ends up in California, who in between all that time creates extraordinary business success, uh, entrepreneurial success. 
I wonder before we get started into the California products, if you could just tell our audience a little bit about your personal story. It's very inspiring. And uh, it's one of those things that, you know, you look at it and you say, wow, how did we miss a candidate like this? This is interesting. So tell us a little bit about what, what, you've, been, uh, what you've been doing, how you got to this point in your life. Sure. Well, you know, I always give people a disclaimer, you know, I'm not a career politician. You know, I didn't grow up with like political figures and posters on my wall or anything right. of that nature. Uh, this is just kind of something I was pushed into and I had a natural talent and ability. And like any other industry, in- industries look for talent. And that's what happened with me politically. I came to California over 21 years ago with different as- uh, aspirations. I had just finished um, you know, beginning cut by different, not cut, but I didn't make certain NBA teams I was trying out for. So I was depressed. Uh, you know, I was originally from Dallas, Texas. So I didn't want to go back to Texas. And everybody asked me what happened, what happened, what happened. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go and escape for a little bit to California. And miraculously, on the third day, I met the most amazing woman ever. And we know how that story went 21 years later <laughs> with my <laughs> amazing wife. Yes, I do. You know, so California, yeah, California captured me, uh, you know, uh, from that essence. And, uh, you know, as a young 23, 23, 24-year-old, very young and impressionable, you try everything. It's Hollywood. So, you know, I did acting. Uh, You know, I used to be a rapper at one time, producer. uh, But my mainstay was always marketing, which is what I studied in school. I really had an affinity for that. I always loved to look at these so-called complex issues and problems from a very early on age. Uh, and figure out how to actually solve it versus just being so negative towards it. Like, you know, there's nothing that we can do. And case in point, when I was 14 years old, I used to cut yards. And, you know, when I was 10, I used to sell car incense at the car wash. And people always say, you know, you were an entrepreneur very early on. Well, right. I didn't know that. I just wanted to buy a hamburger. Right. <laughs> you know, I was hungry. <laughs> so you, you grew you up know, in a so single-parent bought- home, right? Yeah, single-parent yeah. household, three sisters, so I basically had to be the man of the house. Uh, my mother was taken away from us, not once but twice, uh, for prison. Wow. And one of those one of those instances, because uh, a guy was, you know, uh, you know, just belligerently beating my mom up in mm. front of me. I was eight years old, and, I, you know, as a young boy, you know, you want to try to protect your mother, and sure I do. just wasn't big enough at the time. And the guy coincidentally picked me up and slammed me in the glass table. Um, and you know, my mother, she would take a beating to protect us, to continue to allow this person to take care of us. But once it transpired over to him hurting us, she lost it. And so she ended up, you know, she, she killed the guy, you know, um, and there was something traumatic for us to experience and be a part of. Um, but you know, that just changed the course of my childhood bouncing around from family to family. And so I had to develop a mental fortitude by being in a project, then dealing with the mental aspect of your mother not being there and bouncing around from different family members and people feeling like you're a nuisance versus an attribute to the world. Uh, so that was a lot to share, a lot to unpack. And then, you know, coming full force when your mother gets out, she tells you that the government loves you. And the reason why she said that is because Democrat policies in regards to welfare, you know, because right. they gave her money. And, and, it, and it, she didn't understand that they gave her a ceiling, but, Coincidentally, someone like myself, young and impressionable, it rubbed off on me as well. You know, in my household, it was very democratic, but not political, which is just that's what you were by default, right? Right. And I had that entitlement as if it was everybody else's fault that I wasn't successful but mine. No, 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 you know, no accountability or anything of that nature. Only until I got into sports did I start to build new building blocks of a, a, of a better mindset and foundation. Uh, in regards to taking accountability, you know, work hard. And a, a, a coach of mine in high school, he used to have this mantra he used to make us say all the time, be tough, 
be mean, be dedicated, hustle for your teammate, be somebody. Now, as funny as it was, that 16, 17-year-old kid, it's something that resonates with me as an adult even still sure. today to the point where yeah. I give my kids affirmations also. And so just bringing the full story, like I said, I came here 21 years ago, uh, 12 years ago. I kind of uh, uh, got reacclimated to just finding myself, uh, you know, getting back in the word with God and just kind of refocusing and resetting. And everything that I've accomplished in the last 12 years, I can just say God is absolutely amazing. Not that I ever questioned it. Um, but he allowed me the space to go and find my way, but also allowed me to understand that he was always there with me. So I'm just appreciative that I've had all these amazing opportunities to have a nonprofit that's hugely successful called Major Kicks for Kids. Yeah, tell us about that. It's 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 the way you give back. I mean, after the childhood that you went through, you chose yeah. you chose to give back. And I, I, I tell us a little bit about Kicks for Kids. I love it. Well, I mean, I get, I light up every time I talk about it because it's something that's, uh, that's really been in my heart for a very long time. So we basically give away over a thousand pair of shoes every single year and we gift over 2,000 haircuts to the kids, but that's only on the surface. The main part of is when we have them in those moments and we're able to ask them as a mentor or as an ally or as a resource and just say, hey, what is it that you want to do with yourself? your life, your goals, and your ambitions, and you just see their minds working or they light up to just kind of share with you because they're not getting these type of interactions or engagements. But more and more than that, now we are able to be the mentors to give them the roadmaps, the bridge, or the opportunities to to start accomplishing or building those blocks to get to where they want to get. And for me, that's, that's absolutely fantastic. We've changed, or we, we have assisted in the success of a lot of uh, kids over the last five and a half years with this nonprofit, like I say, major kicks for kids, giving away shoes and haircuts, that's just on the surface. But the, to be able to get their attention and have those meaningful conversations with them to empower and inspire them, it absolutely means everything to me and I the team that does. I work with. Yeah, no, it does. It, it, and yeah, now tell, you, you built a tiny home. I know there's a big tiny home craze in America. There's these shows. Sometimes I watch them on TV. Tell me about the tiny home development you built. Uh, for your mom and your sisters? Yeah, so basically the tiny home development came from the shows that you were watching, right? You know, just <laughs> just, just le- learning more about it and also just having such a, a, a deep dive into the homeless community, always trying to figure out what we what we can do, not from a political stance, but just as a, as a citizen, as a philanthropist, trying to figure out how it could affect change when it comes to that. But me and my, me and my wife had an idea of this house that I grew up in uh, was dilapidated. It was an old shack. It was beat down, but it was still in our family. And so our idea was to tear this house down and create four to six tiny homes on that particular property and do multiple things. One of them is to give my older sister a job and empower her to run that facility, but also to offer affordable housing. And this is located in Texas. Right. But that was the found. That was the only the foundation and the test model to be able to translate in other areas, including here in California. It's, um, it's an amazing thing. I, I, when I read the bio, I just, I get, it, you see so many different aspects of your entrepreneurialism and then all of a sudden the political bug bites and you run for Pasadena uh, mayor. What was that like? Well, you know, it was interesting because a good friend of mine by the name of Cole Harris, he ran for Lieutenant governor of California. That was right. the first time I ever uh, thought about politics. And he wanted me on board as his community outreach manager and as, um, you know, his marketing director. And so for me, it was a deep dive. It was a multi-million dollar campaign. So the benefit of that is that 
he had the best and brightest people on his campaign. So I'm standing next to the man the entire time, getting all this knowledge, all this information, how to campaign, how to win, looking at strategy and things of that nature. And as I said earlier, politics, as you may or may not know, it's like any other industry. If they see or smell talent, they're going to try to like, you know, pounce on that talent. Yeah, right. And the, the current theme was every time I came around, you need to run for something. What can we get you to run for? I was like, man, I'm just here to help out. Right. And, um, but initially it, 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 you know, it starts to pique my interest and I start to look around for certain things that I can run for. And, you know, being a local uh, resident of Pasadena, I just said, you know what, I'm going to run for mayor. Some people were like, why not school board? Why not city council? Well, right. understanding how statistics and data Works. I understood that the current mayor at that particular time won in 2015 with only 8,000 votes. But if I looked at the voter pool, there's over 30,000 Republicans there. So the idea was if I can activate 30,000 Republicans to an unfavorable mayor, then guess what? I probably can make this happen, right? So that was the initial ideal from a strategy standpoint. Um, immediately, people laughed. Uh, they said, you know, there was a there was a running bet around town, you know, that I will only get a hundred votes. And you know, me talking to my wife, knowing that I'm very competitive, I said I'm gonna get two hundred votes. You know, they come to I'm gonna get one hundred. <laughs> so my goal was to get two hundred votes, man. To you performed that, didn't you? Yeah. So we got close to five thousand votes. We sold the voters' blocks. We came in third, and now people say, how do you expect to win the governor's race if you lost? couldn't even win the local race, but they don't understand the context. What I did locally was history. I was the first candidate ever as a first-time candidate to get that many votes, being black, conservative, Republican, openly supporting president of the United States. And that was unheard of, right? And we had, we stole the voters block. Even the mayor at the time afterwards called me over. We had a meeting at his house. He said, I've never seen a campaign like this before. I've never seen so many people from all different walks of life support one candidate is normally this side or that side. And that's why this campaign that we have right now for governor is resonating because I run a campaign for California. I don't run a campaign specifically just for one side. I just happen to be a conservative and a Republican and I live by those those values and I want to fight for our constitution. Other than that, I care about all Californians. Let's work together and let's build. Now that's such an important thing. And you know, I've, I've seen you talk about this that, and, and from your perspective, whether Newsom's recalled or whether we just go to the 2022 election, you're in as a governor of candidate, right? I want to make sure I understand that. Absolutely. Yes. Either or. Yep. So you're, you're in no matter what. And I, I heard you talk about the recall that, you know, a lot of people are looking at it. Well, it's just an attack on Newsom or it's a political exercise. But what you see is that across political, racial, ethnic, economic strata, uh, there is a universal frustration with the way California got locked down. And even before it got locked down, the exodus of people leaving the state because of regular, regular regulation, insanity, taxes, crime. Uh, talk about how unifying the Newsom recall event has been to bring different disparate groups of people together in agreement that something has to happen in, in California. I thought you had the most interesting take about what's the real impetus behind the recall. So there's a few different variations and me personally have an opportunity to actually travel for the last 300 plus days across this entire state multiple times and just sit there and just actively listen to the stories, uh, the families, uh, the small business owners, and just seeing the entire climate, as I said, uh, to express how they are unified in frustration. There is nothing like a teachable moment through pain points. 
And what California is experiencing right now, no matter your party, your preference, your ethnicity, or your religion, is relatable pain points. Everyone has families. They have kids that are struggling. It, it's not just for Republican kids and conservative families. This, the, the angst and the frustration that these families are seeing with their kids is monumental. Um, small businesses have closed at a record at a record pace. Uh, there is a California exodus is happening. But and mind you, some of the frustrations are built up even pre-COVID. Yep. And so the fact that That's it's been... That's an important been, part, isn't it? It's a very important part. And the fact that it's been taunted as a Republican recall actually is a is a slap in the face of people. And I tell people all the time, you know, I'm, I'm from the project. I'm not afraid to fight. You know, I actually used to like it back in the day, right? But it's one thing to get hit in the face with a fist. It's another thing to be slapped. I don't like to be slapped. Like a slap is like really disrespectful, right? And I feel like Governor Gavin Newsom has literally taken his entire hand across the entire state of California and just slapped all of us disrespectfully. Because if you are the governor, and I always make sure I specify this, if you are the governor, that means that you are the head person that receives all the best information. That's right. So at what, at what point do you ever think it's okay to operate under the pretense of rules for thee, not for me? Because if you go to places like French Laundry and you socialize publicly without a mask, without social distancing, and you have all this scary information and you're telling us what we should and shouldn't do, but yet you go and operate differently, that just, to me, is just hugely disrespectful to everyone that's struggling and is trying to abide by the rules and trying to weather the storm, so to speak. But when that brand of leadership exists, that's only an example. And my grandmother used to say, if they show you who they are, believe them, right? And Gavin has showed us who he was as a mayor. He showed us who he is as a lieutenant governor. And he has most definitely showed us who he is under his weak leadership on how he has mismanaged this pandemic and, and these lockdowns. And so we are unified in frustration, suicide rate, anxiety and depression up amongst our kids. And I always share this story. There's this young kid, and, I, you know, of course, I don't share his name just for the protection and privacy of his family. Um, and I always get kind of choked up when I talk about it, man. Um, he was a junior. He got hurt playing football. This kid worked his tail off an entire year to rehab and get better, to have his senior year breakout moment. I've seen tapes and video, not tapes, but videos of his, of his training, his workouts. His smile was absolutely polarizing. He had the best spirit ever. ever. These lockdowns hit. There's no school, obviously. There's no sports. This young man is on Instagram watching all of his friends that had an opportunity to get videotape as juniors playing in real life games, get scholarships. It was the weight was too much to bear for him. And he ended up killing himself. Mm. Mm. And when I, when I heard the story from a mother at a meeting greet, I was at literally, um, I'm, you know, my heart just broke. Sure. And so when people see me enthusiastic and when people see me exhausting myself for this opportunity, to be of service, and that's the key part. I want your audience to know I'm exhausting myself with the opportunity to be of service, not for a job, not for notoriety, not for, for money, not for fame, to be of service. Because if, if we truly want to restore our state, we have to get better stewards and shepherds, which is why I always say that if an electrician was running for governor of California right now, I would vote for the electrician because at least an electrician deals in completion. <laughs> yeah. 
They don't have to do right? the job halfway and then get credit anyways. Hey, if they come to your house, to your business, they can't get the check, the yes or the approval unless those lights are on or whatever the yeah. job is is working. And politicians right. don't operate under that pretense. And so I want to offer an alternative. I've been an entrepreneur, small business owner for 20 years, worked in multiple industries, complex background, uh, exists in a variety of uh, you know demographics. I want to offer that alternative. I'm not the most uh, experienced person from a traditional mindset in regards to coming from a political background. But that's what I told you earlier before we got into this call. It's like I want to, I want to give pushback on what qualified truly is because you know, as one gentleman told me one time, he said, "How do you expect to be governor of the fifth largest economy if you've never been governor before?" And like the whole room paused. I'm like, wait a minute. So you can't be governor unless you was governor before. Like, how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a catch twenty two in that. I'm certain. <laughs> so that's uh, wild. Well, you, you have, uh, I've watched you on the trail a little bit and I've done a little research and, and you do a good job of describing what's broken in California, the budget, the economy, the regulatory system, the rainy day fund, uh, public safety. I want to walk you through, cause I think people, when they, when they meet a new candidate, they want to know how you're going to fix things. All right. You're, you can do a good job articulating what's broken. Can you fix it? And so let, let's start with the budget. Cause you've had, you're an oddity in California. You actually want to balance the budget legitimately. Like we have to do in our, our own home checking account. Uh, talk about yes, your your budget plan for California and what sort of things common sense people go, you know what, I can buy into that. So the common sense aspect of it is gauging other successful models that are great economically and not reinventing the wheel. And so my team, we've created this, this, this umbrella called the Restore California Plan. Within the Restore California Plan, we're looking at the budget. Once we get in there, we're going to do a forensic audit. Once we do the forensic audit, we have an opportunity to look at the wasteful spending, which California has a lot of, I'm sure. and reallocate and reallocate those funds to specific programs. One, a four-year program for small businesses, versus Gavin Newsom trying to create a billion-dollar fund right now to give away grants, which a small business get like seventy-five hundred dollars, which does nothing. What we're doing is going to empower small businesses with a stimulus, no different than federal has done before, and it doesn't take away from new taxes from from California. Another component that we're going to um, work towards is eliminating state taxes. Um, and people say, how are you going to do that? Well, there is a model that exists that we're going to create a tourist tax. We get over 279 million tourists a year. Even if we lose 20% of them because they don't want to pay an extra 10 or 20% tourist tax, that's still more revenue than the tax if we eliminate it for the state tax, yeah. which would be an incentive to small businesses to thrive or even to be created. That means more jobs. That means more uh, funds towards our economy. Now, the other component of that, of our plan is simply having the intent from a leadership perspective to become business friendly. All right. California is the brand of our brand of our, of our state when it comes to states, right? We're like the Coca-Cola, Nike, or whatever, the biggest right. brands. We are that as a state, right? Uh, but due to regulations, restrictions, and red tape, we are literally running businesses off saying we don't need you. And so so we have those three different components in place, which in hindsight is going to create a ripple effect. And how we're going to do those things, as I said, it's going to start with the forensic audit, understanding why waste was spending is, um, and use those certain stimuluses. Um, uh, you know, for our small businesses and for other programs. 
I don't believe in defunding the police department. If they wanted, to, if they need funding for certain programs, that's what those wasteful funds will be allocated towards also so we can eliminate that conversation. So as I said, all the things that we're putting in place is going to start a, a create a ripple effect. And I think that's important for people to know how we do it. But also thinking realistically, I'm not a career politician. There is no magic wand. This is going to take a lot of effort. We're going to have to be creative. We're going to have to be patiently aggressive. And that's the process when it comes to our budget, managing it and bringing things back to life and restoring balance in our state. Yep. There's no doubt. I mean, now, whenever you get into taxes, right, if you're proposing a new tax, uh, conservatives yep. always get uh, concerned. But what you're talking about is eliminating the corporate income and uh, corporate and personal income taxes, kind of like what Florida does. It doesn't have a personal income tax uh, yes, in return exactly. for a tourism tax that, that uh, puts the burden on people visiting the state and who use the resources. Um, what sort of reaction are you getting in conservative circles and in the general circles about that idea? Well, I believe that if you're not talking about ideals, you're just talking, as you said, right? So what are your plans? What are your ideals? Now, right. we're, not permanent. we're not permanent in anything. It's an it's a, it's a evolving, open, live document, right? right? That's how we see it. If anyone else has any of the other great solutions, the beautiful part about what my administration will represent and me personally is that any success that I've had in life has come from collaborative effort, right? And so if there are better ideals, better solutions bring those things to the table because for the first time you actually have an opportunity to partner with leadership you actually be able to have a seat at the table because i truly don't care about the credit i don't care who gets the credit but let's add the value and get the job done and restore our state and that's what it's about for me yeah no that's it get the idea on the table that at least starts people talking as opposed to just whining about the problem all the time the um when you look out uh, uh one of the things that i i I'm impressed by it. I heard you say this before. Uh, you know, you grew up on welfare, so you know what the welfare state looks like. And you said it gave your family a ceiling. And that, that really struck my ear a few minutes ago. Describe what you mean by that. I mean, obviously, welfare is there to help people when they're in the hardest times. But I think you're describing a culture where that's all welfare families have to aspire for. And you want to give them something more than that, right? You want to get them on the ladder, not below the ladder with a subsidy check. Describe what that what that looks like and how you might be able to use California as a lab for that. Sure. I mean, for me, it's one of those basic principles of what conservatism means to me from a simplistic standpoint. Um, I'd rather someone teach me how to make $100 versus give me $100. When I grew up under the umbrella of uh, welfare in that mindset, there was a ceiling simply because the cash was coming in. You don't think beyond the cash that you're coming in because the things that that cash pays for, that's pretty much all you, uh, all you have. And you feel like, you know, that's enough. <clears throat> I want to inspire and empower people to be their best selves. And so it's actually the distraction. Getting free money is a distraction because psychologically and how, we, how we're built, we're built off of that hard work, that tangibleness. And, and I'm going to correlate this to something that Gavin Newsom has done from his mandates you know, blanketed across our entire state. The reason why he's able to make these harsh mandates and, and push fine in these business owners is because he never has been in a place to be sitting somewhere, have an aha moment, create an idea for a business, opportunity, product, or service, see that, you know, see that thing sort of, see that business or idea sort to manifest on paper, your business plan, you tell people about it, you pray about it, then you open your doors for the first time ever and you get that first dollar, that first $20 bill, and you put it up on a wall. Like that, like that tangible, 
that that tangible essence. It's nothing like it versus getting something free. Um, and then there's there's an entitlement that brews psychologically. You feel like that it should be someone just passing you something all the time versus you have sweat trickling down your face because you've worked or completed the task. And for that, you get rewarded your pay. And it's just something that feels so great about that. It gives you a different, give you, you don't care if you're five, six, it makes you feel like you're six, 12, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and so that's, that's what we, that's what it, that's what we are pushing with our campaign. We're, because our, our morale is already low as a nation right now. And so we have to take baby steps and I have to fight. Everyone fights differently. And this is my version of fighting and saying, hey, we actually can, from our thoughts that we use, or the language that we use, change our paradigm because you can choose to be upset. That's a choice because you can control your reaction, even though something may have ha- happened bad, somebody said something, but you still own your reaction. You still own your reaction. And so conservatism, I share in a lot of different um, spaces with a lot of different, you know, walks of life. And I always simplistically use the, the, the analogy of I'd rather you empower me and show me how you made that hundred dollars because you showing me that allows me to do that for my son, for my friends and other family members versus if you just give me a hundred dollars, the conversation is dead. And so that's what I mean uh, that there is a ceiling put on us when we, uh, when we take in welfare, it changes your, your mentality. And you get complacent, like like all things, when you, when you receiving free stuff like that. I'm gonna I, I compare you to someone I heard much earlier in my career. I've been doing this for thirty plus years, and you keep using the word <clears throat> empowerment, and it reminds me of another famous athlete that spent a little bit of time in California, a guy named Jack Kemp, who used to talk about empowerment zones and personal empowerment and choice. And I hear a lot of echoes of his sort of concept of government. One of the things that he did was public private partnerships. I was looking through your site and it looks like you, you really believe in the, in the intersection of not the government doing everything, but the guests are getting the private sector in it. So on public safety, you have this idea uh, for getting private donations to support empowerment programs for people in, in tough neighborhoods, tough schools. Talk a little bit about your vision of uh, public private partnership in solving some of California's most persistent problems. So I, I give you an example. When I was running for mayor of Pasadena, um, I, I proposed this idea, and <clears throat> it's kind of like a GoFund slash capital venture a collaboration, right, as far as the, the model that I was talking about, and it was called the Pasadena Fund. And the idea was it. the idea came from what I was hearing. As I say, I always, as a candidate or as a person, like to actively listen. So if you're telling me that the issue is that you're getting pushed out of your community, uh, they're, gentr- they're gentrifying your community uh, and you, you feel like you can't do anything. They're pushing you out. So the idea was there is enough of you in this black community to start putting in $20 a month. And in two years, you guys will have enough money to start buying up property or creating small businesses here locally in your own area, right? I give you a very thought out roadmap and blueprint on how you can change the narrative yourself. So instead of being in a stance of frustration saying what everybody should do or what you would do if you were in the game or on the field, now you have marching orders or an opportunity and a blueprint for you to walk out of the stands, jump on the field, suit up in your political arena and your community and make that change. Some people are not willing to take themselves out of the stands of frustration and actually get in the midst of things. And so that's what I mean by coming up with ideals 
uh, to empower people to uh, economically, financially, and as far as partnerships, another thing that we're talking about, even like with the schools. So everyone, so the biggest thing is the teachers union this, the teachers union this. So why don't we create a kids union where it's the kids, the parents, and private partners who align with their beliefs in regards to the curriculum and how they go about with the common core curriculum in the schools, right? So that is my whole thing. I'm always trying to understand and acknowledge the problem, but then let's get to the solution aspect of it. And so I look forward to using the leverage, which it'll be global news if I be, when I become governor of California, black, first black candidate ever, uh, a young guy, someone that's empowered young people, Democrats, independents, libertarians, which is what all of our volunteers consist of right now, which is unheard of, is monumental. We have the fastest rising campaign uh, in California's most recent history from an organic standpoint. We're not the most funded, but we're the most popular. And all we have to do is peak at the right time to win a recall election, and we know how yeah. to win. The plurality right? election. Keeps, so, yeah, that's very important. Yeah, everyone, keeps talk, everyone keeps talking about, you know, are you afraid that we're going to split the vote because there's so many Republicans getting in? No, I'm like, more should get in. I need as many as possible, right? Because it only I can get 5% of the vote and win this election, guys. And so some people don't understand those dynamics. And so yeah. I look forward to working with private partners. And the reason why I say private partners on certain things and, and blending with government and resources, because I don't have to wait to get every bill passed through legislation to get active being the governor. Yeah, that's the key thing. I can walk, I, I can walk can do through without doors it, right? right now. Yeah. Absolutely. I can walk through doors and work with nonprofit foundations and other private organizations and be the faith or the voice to get other opportunities through the door to get things funded and move, move forward. They don't have imagination. If you talk about revenue, the first thing they think about is, okay, what kind of new tax can we create? Right. Versus I said, what kind of leverage and opportunities and partnerships can we create? Last question, because I want to let you go. I know you got to get back to the campaign trail, but uh, you're a big defender of the Second Amendment. You talked about uh, uh, ending gun restrictions and bans on magazines and, and opening up carry, uh, concealed carry very important. And you argue that uh, the California's had this backward, that the way to reduce crime in the state isn't to reduce the number of guns, it's to get the more people with lawful guns in their hands so that criminals aren't tempted to victimize them. Talk a little bit about the reaction you get to your Second Amendment policy. Well, sometimes the reaction is based, based upon being misinformed, right? Sometimes just from the uh, just from saying that, people think we want it to be like the wild, wild west, like they're watching too many movies. When they understand the foundations of the essence of the Second Amendment and, and gun owner and rights, it's, it's truly uh, to protect yourself and your family. And it's something that our uh, founding fathers understood, right? That's a part of our Constitution. It's part of our constitutional rights. And so for me, I also look at it as a deterrent. People have no idea how psychologically a a legal gun owner state uh, is a deterrent. If you see a cafe, you know for a fact, if you're thinking about robbing that cafe, 12 of those patrons, at least six of them may be armed on top of the actual owners, right? And so psychologically, it's a deterrent. I feel like a, a, a gun state is a safer state. And so I just try to walk people through the whole philosophy of why I believe that and some of the instances of other models that exist in other states as well and just try to give them the statistics and the data because, you know, just how they're doing now with the, with the pandemic, they use certain moments to create massive fear, to make you feel like it's happening every single place. So they think that all Republicans and conservatives 
we want to just walk out openly, just browsing with our guns and just shooting them in the air and just, you know, and, and it's not that at all. So it really has to be a safety uh, protection and it's for deterrent for a safer state. It's a, a really remarkable argument. It'd be interesting to see how that plays in California where the trend lines and public sentiment have been for more restrictions, but all they've seen is more violence in the last few years. And so it'll be interesting to see how that, that plays. Major, uh, how do people follow your campaign? Before we head out, I want to make sure people know how do they follow your campaign, stay in touch with you on social. What's the best way to connect with you? So if you want to have a lot of fun, you follow me on Instagram. That's at Major Williams. If you want <laughs> if you want to if you want to follow more news, you follow me on Twitter, that's Major C A Gov. And for just all around, you know, uh, contact information, majorforgovernor.com is our official website. Uh, we have great Q&A. We take all of your questions off of all social media platforms, and I am- answer all those questions specifically in the Q&A sections. So there's one direct place where you can go and get all of, all of my replies to your questions versus me answering it every other day. It's the same question, same eight questions over and over again. Uh, we've taken all of those questions and put them on the Q&A section. It gives you a platform, my bio, some of the ideals that I have uh, for California that we can work on together. And uh, yeah, so major, at Major Williams on Instagram and majorforgovernor.com and majorcagov on Twitter. What a novel concept. You actually answered the voters' questions. We've gone 63 days in Washington before we got the first news conference from our president, and you're out there answering them every day. That's That's got to be a, a welcome, refreshing idea for, for voters in California. All right, Major. Well, we're, thank you for the time. Thanks for introducing yourself, talking policy. We got into really substantive stuff. And as this race unfolds, Let's get you back on to find out what's going on on the front lines in California. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too, sir. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. All right, folks. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Hope you enjoyed that discussion. It really was. It was a conversation. It wasn't an interview. It was a conversation with a, a gentleman who has a really fun bio, really has lived American dream from the difficulty of growing up in a single-parent home with crime and, and poverty and the things that are happening, violence he talked about, to working his way through school as an athlete, <clears throat> as an entrepreneur. Uh, as a philanthropist, he talks about his uh, thing, uh, a different sort of candidate running in California for governor. Uh, no one knows how this race is going to shake out. Everybody understands that first-time politicians or second-time politicians, I guess, major ran for Pasadena, California, mayor first. It's an uphill climb. 
But there's an interesting approach. And when you look at how people are reacting to Major Williams on social and some of the early things, he's sort of the anti-candidate candidate. And uh, in a state that is fickle and fun and quirky uh, and in great distress because of the uh, the last decade of fiscal abuse and, and lockdowns and corporate flight, residential citizen flight, California is bleeding. A lot of people may lose some congressional seats for the first time. Uh, having a non-candidate candidate in the race like uh, Major is, is interesting. And I think you heard the difference between he and any professional politician is really clear. But he has ideas. He has excitement. He has youthful ambition. He knows social. He's making himself accessible in ways that most politicians don't. He doesn't have a wall around himself. And I think his authenticity is is created an early, interesting uh, uh, feel in the California race. Well, we'll keep an eye on his um, uh, candidacy in the whole uh, California recall uh, because it is such a momentous moment that's going to occur. We don't know if re- uh, Gavin Newsom is going to be recalled or just face regular re- re-election in 2022, but there's clearly a big moment to challenge the orthodoxies in California, both Democrats and Republicans have an opportunity to put a different vision than the course that this state has been on for so long. And uh, uh, it's clear that Major Williams is going to be one of those who are going to challenge the status quo, challenge the uh, budget deficits, challenge all uh, the lockdowns, the regulatory fiat, uh, challenge the flight. He, he keeps talking about we don't need to be. Why is the most beautiful state in, in the United States, one of the most beautiful states, uh, losing so many of its residents and businesses? Uh, that's a great question, right? If you're that capable, you got a large economy, why are you driving it away? This recall is going to be a lot about the ills and woes of California over the last two, three decades. And I think you heard from a guy that at least is going to try to shake up the race. We'll try to bring more candidates like him. We had Curtis Sliwa, the guardian angel, uh, earlier this week, uh, having major on getting a feel for different types of candidates, non-political candidates or non-professional candidates, uh, non-political pros. Um, as Donald Trump showed us, there's an appeal for them. We'll see how they ultimately prevail. But uh, a really fun interview for me. I hope it was enjoyable for you. Tomorrow, we'll be back to wrap up a lot of the news of the week. I'll give you our thoughts on the first presidential press conference with Joe Biden. And we'll uh, do a flyover of some of the most important news of the week. And we'll have another great uh, interview. I know we're lining up some interesting people. So buckle your seatbelt. I feel like a conversation about China, human rights, the Olympics uh, is in our offing and uh, many other important things. So have a wonderful night. Thank you for listening. God bless you. God bless this great country of America, as he always has. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports from JustTheNews.com.